Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm here with my fellow host, Vincent M. Wales. And our guest today is Dr. Robert T. Mueller, and he is the author of the psychotherapy book, Trauma and the Struggle to Open Up, From Avoidance to Recovery and Growth, which focuses on healing from trauma. Robert, welcome to the show. Very, very glad to be here. We are glad to have you. So the word trauma is thrown around a lot these days. What do we really mean by that? Well, so there are different kinds of traumatic experiences, but they all are based in the fact that something clear has happened to the person in the external world, something that overwhelms their normal coping abilities. And this can be a natural disaster, of course, uh, but it can also be an event that occurs in the home. It could be something like physical or sexual abuse from a caregiver, various kinds of assault. And these are experiences that are overwhelming. And most people who go through these overwhelming experiences don't end up with post-traumatic stress disorder or various kinds of consequences, but a number of us do. And when they do, they're left with these feelings of great distress. And that's what we refer to as trauma, the, the feelings that are left in the person that affect them, that affect their choices, that affect their relationships, that affect the way they engage in friendships, following an overwhelming experience. And it's hard. It's very, very tough for people to deal with. You know, outside of people who, you know, work in this field, the only really thing that they understand about trauma is post-traumatic stress disorder. That's like the closest that the general public gets. When you're talking about trauma, where does, where does PTSD fit in? Can you kind of help people understand that? So the term PTSD we see in um, the psychiatric literature. And by PTSD, we mean that the person has a disorder uh, after a traumatic event, post-traumatic stress disorder. So that means that they are continuing to suffer. And by disorder, we mean that their mental health is suffering and that they're experiencing symptoms of re-experiencing the event, flashbacks. They may remember memory intrusions, memories of the event, and and that's very severe. They also have startle responses where they're stressed very, very easily. Um, But by stress, it can be very overwhelming stress. They also have have problems with mood because they often feel depressed because of these traumatic experiences. Uh, And then finally, they try to stay away from things that remind them about whatever happened. So we see post-traumatic stress disorder in Vietnam vets and Gulf War vets, vets who've come back from Afghanistan, for sure. But we can also see these symptoms in victims of domestic violence and people who have been through experiences, even who haven't gone to war. So PTSD refers to the the psychiatric language that's used to describe the symptoms that many people have after a traumatic event. So that's what's really meant by PTSD. Thank you so much for that. And, And just to clarify, You can be traumatized and not develop PTSD. Is that correct? Well, you can be through, yeah. So here we get into a little bit of like different words can sometimes mean similar things. But when we talk about someone who is traumatized, they have all kinds of symptoms. They may not have exactly that cluster of things that I mentioned that that we call PTSD, um, but they're going to have very similar experiences. There's something called complex PTSD, and that's a little bit different 
complex PTSD refers to people very often who have had traumatic events happen in childhood and in relationships. They feel betrayed by people who, have, who they thought were going to care for them the most. And when people have complex PTSD, very often what they have are huge problems in relationships. So they've been hurt by somebody. They may feel tremendously abandoned by someone who they trusted. And then in life and in relationships, they now struggle to trust. And they often really question other people. They question whether they can really trust them. And they have a hard time with developing relationships because they feel scared. There are many feelings of fear that come over them. Um, shame, feelings of shame are very common in complex PTSD. So complex PTSD can take longer to heal than, than PTSD. If treatment for PTSD tends to be something more like, let's say, six months to a year, treatment of complex PTSD can be two, three years, maybe even four years, something like that is pretty common. So those are some distinctions. Thank you. Gabe and I are both very familiar with uh, abandonment disorder and that sort of thing, attachment disorders, and there seems to be a, a very clear relation there with, uh, with complex PTSD. For sure. There's, there often is, but for sure there are feelings of abandonment very often in people with complex PTSD, and there are attachment problems. So by attachment, uh, that means that in times of distress, they have difficulty turning to others who, if you had a secure, what's called a secure attachment, you might have an easier time turning to the people who feel, sh you know, should care about you. You know, you, you might do that more easily. You might turn to them and ask for help and feel comfortable with that. But when people have what's called an insecure attachment, and this is very common in complex PTSD, uh, they have a great deal of difficulty turning to those people who really you, you'd think that they could turn to, their husbands, their wives, their friends. They have a hard time turning to them. They, they feel very, very frightened very often that people are going to are just going to let them down. It's a very, very challenging disorder to treat. But it's important for a therapist who works with people like this to be what's called trauma-informed, where they know about the effects of trauma so that they can help people like this manage and find their way through this. Trauma-informed care is something that, again, coming up more and more in mental health circles. Can you explain what trauma-informed care means? So... There are many uh, conditions that are related to trauma. It's not just trauma therapists who come across people who have trauma histories. Family doctors very often will come across people who come in complaining of migraines, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome, immune system kind of disorders, stress-related disorders, all of those are ex greatly exacerbated in people who have trauma histories. So it's very important for family doctors, it's very important for teachers, actually, to be trauma-informed because you may see a kid in your class who appears like they have ADHD, they can't sit still, they're irritable, they're, and that may also be a reaction to trauma. And I'm not saying that every person who has all these disorders has a trauma history. I'm not saying that. Most of the time, the people have migraines. It's not because of trauma. But if you do have a trauma history, all of those conditions can be greatly exacerbated. And so it's very important for professionals, you know, who work interpersonally with people, family doctors, chiropractors, dentists, temperamental joint dysfunction can be a symptom of trauma, um, teachers, 
nurses, it's very important for them to be trauma-informed, for them to understand about the different manifestations of trauma. And there are many. Very often the immune system, because of the stress of trauma, the immune system has been affected. And that makes you more susceptible to a variety of different disorders. That's why you need to be trauma-informed. Now, for someone who has a pre-existing mental illness, whether it's bipolar or depression or what have you, how are they affected by trauma? Is it any differently than, than someone without those, those issues? Uh, yeah, yeah. So trauma exacerbates other kinds of conditions. So if people have, let's say, a family history of depression or a family history of bipolar illness, and then a very traumatic thing happens to them, that can exacerbate other problems that they have. So it's, it's very difficult to disentangle. Is this symptom caused by this or is this symptom caused by that? And it's impossible really to disentangle what's caused by what. But what you do want to do is you want to work with people. If you're doing therapy with an individual who's been through this, you want to work with them in a way where if, if somebody has bipolar illness, where you, you get them seeing a good psychiatrist who can prescribe the right medication, but then if they have a trauma history, that doesn't mean that that's it with you know, medications, all of the treatment. No, if somebody has a trauma history, they've got to find a way to talk about what's happened to them. And that's very difficult when you've been through trauma. It's hard to talk about. And so good trauma-informed therapists will work with the person in a measured, paced way to help them slowly feel comfortable with starting to talk about what happened. And that can be very, very challenging. It's interesting. As someone who lives with bipolar disorder, I know the importance of being able to tell my medical team, whether it's you know, a psychiatrist, a social worker, a psychologist, you know, what's going on inside my head, what my challenges are, what I need help with. It, it sounds like you're saying somebody who just has a trauma background really needs to respond the same way. They have to be able to explain that to their medical team in order to get the right care. Well, the thing with trauma is that People, are, a lot of professionals are not trauma-informed. And so what ends up happening is that you get people going in for symptoms. So somebody with a trauma history, a typical kind of presentation, I'll just give a name. Susan uh, was raped, let's say, in uh, university. She experiences all kinds of difficulty in classes. She then goes and sees her, her doctor, gets put on an antidepressant, is okay for a year or two on this antidepressant and then she starts to date again and then whoa all these symptoms start to come back she starts to experience confusion she experiences other symptoms like headaches goes back gets sent to a specialist you know then she you know let's say she has difficulty with her eating then the question is wait does she have an eating disorder and so what you end up with is this smorgasbord of different professionals, you know, this person specializes in depression, that person specializes in eating disorder, this person specializes in, in migraines and whatever, trying to treat this person and you don't have a coherent treatment plan. And it's because none of these professionals actually sat down with her and said, tell me a little bit about what, what's happened in your life over the last five years. Walk me through it. What's happened? Anything important? Tell me about it. And if you do that with people, uh, you can look for this sort of thing and you can see, okay, yes, look at this. This person's had these depression symptoms and these, this eating disorder seems to have really gotten a lot worse when dot, dot, dot. And then you can start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And so you're not just treating for, for this disorder or that disorder or the other disorder. 
but you develop a coherent plan to help the person find a way to start to deal with the underlying trauma that led to a variety of different disorders. So that's where it's really important to be trauma-informed. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Robert T. Mueller discussing trauma. There's a therapy relationship. What's so important about that? Well, yeah, it's really, really important, the therapy relationship. And in trauma work, that's absolutely true. It's, it's even true in other kinds of psychiatric or psychological problems. Research on outcomes of, of mental health problems and treatment strategies, what we find is that regardless of the school of thought that the clinician uses, so let's say people go to see a cognitive behavioral therapist, or the person goes to see a psychoanalyst, or the person goes to see a gestalt therapist, you name it. Regardless of the school of thought, the one thing that seems to run throughout therapy is the benefits of having a good, strong psychotherapy relationship. And so this means that if you're a cognitive behavioral therapist, it might be that the person got better in part because you help them look at their underlying thoughts and how their thoughts affect their feelings and how you help them change their behaviors and they'll improve their feelings. Maybe, maybe that's a piece of it. But it also is the case from research. What we know is that if you do that in the context where the two of you are really working together and feel like you're on the same page, then therapy will be much more effective. So, uh, so this is true for all schools of thought, for ther- of therapy, psychoanalysis, and, and everything else. And so the therapy relationship research shows is really important. So what does that mean? It means that therapist and client are working together on the same page, working toward similar goals, or the same goals, really. You have to have similarity of thought around the goals. And there's a sense of warmth. There's a sense that the client feels that their therapist gives a darn, that they really do actually care, and, and that their therapist gets it. The, the client has to feel that the therapist gets it and is listening and is, is paying attention. These are really important skills. And, you know, Carl Rogers in the 1950s really honed in on this. And since then, we've come up with all kinds of therapies. And I'm not saying these other therapies are not helpful. I'm just saying that going back to basics is really important, that that the skills that Rogers taught around empathy turns out to be, in fact, what research shows, very, very important. Now, this is really the case with trauma therapy. When you've been traumatized, and you've been traumatized most often when people feel in relationships that they've been hurt, then they might work with a therapist and think, my therapist doesn't like me, or my therapist is going to abandon me, or my therapist is judging me. And it's understandable that you feel this way. As a client, if you've been hurt and your trust has been violated, you're going to be very cautious for good reason in relationships. And you're even going to be cautious around your relationship with your therapist. 
You don't know whether your therapist is just trying to manipulate you. In all, in all fairness, you don't know. And so it's very important for the therapist to be attentive to these kinds of relational issues in trauma work. Is my client and I on the same page and that sort of thing. Who should go to trauma therapy? I mean, who is, I, I know that the answer might be anybody who's traumatized, but, you know, more specifically, like, who is trauma therapy for exactly? So very often, if you're holding in something that feels like it's a huge burden, that's something to notice. So pay, so pay attention to this question. Ask yourself, am I carrying around a deep burden from years ago? Am I holding on to a secret? A secret that if other people knew, I would feel judged, I would feel that they would hate me, I would feel ashamed of, those sorts of things. Am I being loyal to people who harmed me? Those are all questions that you can ask yourself. I talk a little bit about this in trauma and the struggle to open up. The idea of how people, how many trauma symptoms develop, and these themes are really, really big. It themes of secrecy, themes of um, betrayal, themes of loyalty to those who maybe you shouldn't necessarily be so loyal to. But those kinds of questions, to ask yourself that, is the thought of some memory about something, does it make you feel sick? Does it make you feel like this feeling of, I'm a bad person? Um, you know, when I think about XYZ that happened to me, I feel terrible guilt. Like, how could I... How could I have done that? If you're asking yourself questions like, why me? Or if you're asking your questions of yourself like, why not me? Why did XYZ happen to my brother and not me? Those sorts of questions are very important questions that can be addressed in trauma therapy. And very often people have those questions in association with symptoms. With, you know, when you think about XYZ that I just mentioned, maybe you feel depressed. Or maybe you feel self-loathing or disappointed in yourself. Why did I do that? Why didn't I help my sister when such and such happened? When dad did what, you know, such and when dad was drinking the way he was or mom was. Why didn't I? So if you ask yourself those kinds of questions and you're pained by it, that might be a sign that getting help, that, that talking to a therapist around your history is, uh, is important. Because you've been trying to deal with this on your own for so long. And that can feel very lonely and it can feel very burdensome. And you don't have to be alone in dealing with these things. Right. That's why I would think public therapy. We also have what we call post-traumatic growth. Is that just a fancy word for recovery or? Well, no, no, it's related to recovery. I mean, people, you, you hope that through trauma therapy, people will get back to the way they were before, um, you know, they started really uh, deteriorating. But it doesn't exactly work that way. Recovery is a bit unpredictable. And what happens is as people start to talk about their problems and start to talk about their history, they start to deal with things in a way that they never dealt with before. And so they start asking them questions. Like I mentioned, why me? Why not me? Those kinds of questions. What's my place in the world? After what happened to me, I thought my identity would be such and such, but now I just don't know. So when you start addressing questions like that, those kinds of questions lead to a reevaluation of yourself. And so along with recovery, along with feeling better, along with removing or not removing, recovering from 
these psychiatric symptoms that you really want to, to recover from. Along with that comes a new understanding as you start to delve into issues from your past. And so that's where there's an opportunity for what's called post-traumatic growth, that through the process of talking about and questioning and dealing with, there's a reckoning, and that reckoning can help you grow in ways you may not have imagined. You may realize things about yourself that you, that you hadn't really thought of before. You know, like you may realize things like, previously when I thought about such and such, I just felt guilt about what I did. But as I think about it now, actually, I was pretty strong the way I stood up to so-and-so or the way I did such and such. And I feel, actually feel proud of myself for that. That may not sound like a big deal, but it can really feel like a big deal if you've felt ashamed of yourself for so long. Do you, do you think there's a lot of people who are suffering from trauma who just don't realize it? And how do we reach those people? Because you can't exactly ask for help if you don't know that you are in need of help. Right. Well, this is why trauma education is so important. There's getting to be more and more education about this. Um, I have an online uh, free mental health magazine called the Trauma and Mental Health Report, where you know my students and I, we publish articles and very, very straightforward articles written for general consumption. Like they're not academic heavy kinds of articles. And we're trying to teach people about, you know, what happens in trauma. And we have a lot of stories, you know, for example, one of my favorite stories is Corporal Speaks, 10 Questions for a Soldier Who Served in Afghanistan. And he tells his story, this uh, corporal who came back and uh, he happened to be a Canadian. He served alongside Americans and many of the stories relate actually to uh, some of the American soldiers he worked, served with. And it's just a really interesting story, his, his stories. And, and so we're trying to teach about how people struggle with these things in a way that the in general public can start to learn. It's not just, you know, people in mental health or whatever, or academics who know about this stuff, but that, that people in the general population can, can start to learn about this. Um, and I think there's greater interest. There's more interest lately, I've noticed, in the topic of dissociation. People who have been through trauma, many of them dissociate, so they check out. They sort of go absent at times. You know, and mm -hmm. why do they do this? Because sometimes emotional trauma can be so overwhelming that they lose focus and lose attention to that and start thinking about some totally different things. And that allows them to, to feel okay, but it, you know, that can be very, very challenging when you dissociate a lot in your everyday life. So there's a little bit more knowledge about that in the general uh, public. I mean, I'm, I'm noticing increasingly. So I think it's I think it's really about education and, and like I think what you guys are doing here with this podcast and other people and you know, other mental health podcasts are becoming much more commonplace and people are asking these questions. There's more stuff out there. I think that that I think is, is the way to get people to learn about this stuff. We agree with everything you just said, except other mental health podcasts. We're <laughs> We're completely unaware of any other podcast other than this one. Don't search for them. No, just, yeah. just kidding. I just have a couple of more questions because we're about out of time. But one, please talk about your book for a moment and where folks can find it. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say Amazon. And what got you interested in, in researching and writing about trauma in the first place? I, I imagine they go kind of hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll give the, the thing about the book first. So it's called Trauma and the Struggle to Open Up from Avoidance to Recovery and Growth. It's available on Amazon and, uh, and mental health bookstores as well. It's a, there's a hard, hard copy Kindle as well. So what 
what got me interested in trauma is not a short answer, but also what originally got me interested is a little bit different than when I realized, you know, years later when I'd been working in the field for a long time. Uh, originally, I just thought it was, you know, an interesting research topic, and my supervisor was interested in it in graduate school. But what I realized in my 40s was that there was a much deeper unconscious reason, I think, that I really got drawn into it. And I also realized this much more so as I did my own psychotherapy. And that is that my parents were children during uh, the Holocaust. And both of them actually were separated from their families. And I believe to, to some extent traumatized by the Holocaust. To some extent, I would say that their childhoods were shaped in ways that you can never imagine. My father's father was, was actually killed. My mother's parents were not killed. They were, they were okay, but they were, they, my mom was separated from them. She was only six years old. She was separated from her parents for months. And so that's terrifying for a six-year-old. She had no idea where her parents were. And they left her in the care of the non-Jewish woman. Again, this saved my mom's life, but this was a terrifying experience for her. And so I grew up with stories about the Holocaust and with stories about what it was like to be a child during the Holocaust, what it means to uh, lose, lose your innocence as a child, what it means to lose your childhood as a child. And so those kinds of experiences, I think to a very large extent, uh, shaped me. I, I believe that's ultimately why I went into this, why I went into this field and why I can connect with uh, trauma survivors. Yeah, I think, I think that's a fair answer, yeah. Yes, thank you so much. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. That's, no problem. That's really heavy. And thank you so much for, for being here and for informing us on, on trauma so that we can recognize it and deal with it when we have it. Okay, okay, my pleasure. And remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. Thanks. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at GabeHoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.